Y'all can sit down. I, I don't know how long you might be up here if I just keep going. So you can, you can sit down. Uh, you know, um, you might not realize this, but I've been getting revelation on this a little bit here and a little bit there. You know, it's okay if you don't get all the revelation at once. Stop acting like a spoiled brat. You, you wouldn't be ready for the revelation all at once. It was said that Brother Hagin couldn't even teach all the revelation that got revealed to him because the people weren't ready. My gosh. Brother Hagin couldn't preach all the revelation. How many other men of God can't preach the full revelation in which they have because we wouldn't get it? We'd be lost. We'd be over, overwhelmed. We'd be like a little baby crawling in the corner of a room going, oh my gosh, it's so heavy. It's the foundation of understanding that Christ Jesus lives down in the inside of you. We are powerful, powerful human beings. You don't want you to realize this. I didn't know I was going to go here, Pastor Doug. I really didn't. <laughs> Do you realize that I'm so powerful that I can stop the move of the Holy Ghost? Do you realize that you yourself as an individual, especially corporate, we are powerful enough to stop God? And we ain't going to stop when he comes back. We're not going to stop the judgment day. We're not going to stop that stuff. That's, that's concrete. But do you realize that you are so powerful that you can sit back and just go, nope, not me. Nope. Pastor Bill, you can go ahead and lay hands on me. I ain't going to feel a thing. You can, you, can, you can prophesy over my life. You can have a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. You can, you can have a, a gift of a miracles, a gift of faith coming out. You ain't touching me. It doesn't matter what you do. <clears throat> Immovable. You are that powerful. And don't think it doesn't happen. As we go by and we start praying for people, whether it be in other countries or right here in our amazing America, we can lay hands on people and we'll pray and we're like, boom, easy, boom, easy, boom, easy, boom, easy. Ugh. Easy, 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 not me. Mm. Easy, easy, easy. Hmm. Mm. Mm. And then the person's like this. See, I knew God wasn't real. I knew it. Crazies. Bunch of bunch of lunatics. Bunch of lunatics. You are so powerful, you can stop God. And some of us here have all been in those shoes before. I was, I was actually that dude in a, in a little tiny Assembly of God church over on the left-hand side. I don't know if you remember this, hon. I'm talking to my wife, not anybody here. I'm talking to my wife. In case you don't know, I'm married. That's my wife. Um, and I went up, and I was like, I don't know about all that falling out stuff. That ain't for me. I'll get prayed for, but that, that, that ain't for me. I ain't doing that. Ugh. Pastor Wayne Wilson, big old barrel chested of a, of a man. He comes over and he puts his hands on my shoulders and he starts praying for me. And I don't, I don't have a clue what the brother prayed for me, man. I didn't hear one word. I felt something in my body that I ain't never felt before. And then all of a sudden, all I kept thinking of was, uh-uh. This doesn't happen to me. Oh no, this doesn't happen to me. And I'm staying, I'm doing it, I'm powerful. Full of pride, what it was. Sorry if that's you. Love you. And all of a sudden it was though, it's the only way I know how to explain it, Miss Jillian. It was as though like maybe an angel. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just telling you, the only way I know how to put something heavenly into our realm. It was as though like an angel was sitting there laughing, going, watch this. And he busted out like a sword that, you know, and at the kneecaps just went, kapah. And there went timber. Hit my head on the chair. Now, now get, we didn't have soft chairs like this. Now, have anybody been to an Assembly of God church back in the day? They were wooden pews. Yeah, like, I don't know what type of wood, but like, it had to be from Africa, like the hardest wood possible. And uh, my head, I remember this, my head goes, crack, crack, and I didn't feel a thing. And I'm laying under this pew, and I like, 
I don't know what to do. Do you get up right away? Do you sit there? Like, I don't know. I ain't, I'm unchurched. I didn't know the religiousness thing to do. What's religious, right? Five minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds, what do you do? And I kind of open my eyes, PD. I open my eyes, and, I, and I, all I see is the bottom of the pew. The underneath portion, I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, you're real. Oh, whoa. See, how come we can sit back and understand that we are so powerful we can stop a move of God, we can stop receiving our healing, we can stop from speaking in tongues, we can stop from giving an interpretation, we can stop the Holy Ghost. We could impede a revival. But yet in the same side, the same token, we can't comprehend that we're so big and so powerful that we can deliver heaven everywhere we go. See, now that's a different way of thinking, isn't it? Why is it so easy for us to understand? Nope, I ain't moving. You ain't moving me. I'm immovable. I wish I was, I wish I was like Brother Hagen. I wish I was like Benny Hinn. I wish I was like Paul. I wish I was like Jesus where he just came along and was like, I see your faith. Be healed. Stand up. You are. We are. We are. We are. No, I don't think you understand. I heard, I heard one come on. No, we are. We have heaven in the inside of us. You think it wants to stay on the inside of us? We weren't created to keep the Holy Ghost inside of us. We were created like sponges. No, seriously, like, like if I had a knife, thank God, don't anybody say, here's a knife, Pastor Bill, I want to see this. But if I had a knife, I could cut myself, and, and what would come out of the skin? Blood. I could scratch myself, and blood would come out. We weren't made to keep things inside. Come on, I'm married, I have kids. God created us to have kids. All my young adults are giggling. I can hear my young adults giggling. He's like, oh, he's going there. <laughs> We're powerful, man. By a show of hand, who wants a move of God? Everybody raises their hand in here, man. Who's willing, now this, don't just raise your hand, man, because God's going to hold you to this. This is real stuff that's happening right now. See, this is like that, this is like, don't be a devil, and just be like, I'm going to raise my hand. Whatever question he's going to ask, I'm going to raise my hand. If everyone else raises their hand, Karis, I'm going to raise my hand. Don't raise your hand, because you know who's watching? God. As we come nearer and nearer what a revival is, where, where like, guess what? The spirit of God and, and salvation and healings can't stay in this church building. The church is us, but it can't stay in here. Are y'all ready to come to church Monday night? No, by a show of hands, be honest. Be honest. Who's ready to come to church on Monday night? And I thank you for all those that won't raise their hand. Praise God that you ain't lying. Who's ready to come Tuesday night? Who's ready to come Wednesday night? Who's ready to come Thursday and Friday? Okay, y'all just understood my schedule except Monday. I'm here Tuesday through, Thursday, through Friday. <laughs> Tuesday through Friday for the last six years of my life. Three years of my life. Never thought I was gonna be staying in school for the rest of my life. <laughs> Jehovah Sneaky got me there. What I'm saying is this. When he asks, what's your answer? It sounds pretty. It sounds fun. It's like, oh my gosh, no way we would see people get out of wheelchairs, Pastor Doug. We would see the hospital shut down. Yeah, man, I want hospitals shut down. See, I'm not like a small thinker. And, and then when I think I'm big, God's like, really? That's it? So we're all on different levels, right? I'm just saying I want the hospital shut down because they make too much money on, on us. They do. Hospitals are stealing God's people's money. But what are we doing Monday night when we ain't in church? Hmm. We want a revival. We want a revival. We want somebody else to tarry the revival. 
We want the pastors to do it. It's their job. They should be praying all the time. We should. It should be our shoulders that we bear. We're graced for it. We're people too. I would love, I don't know why we're talking about this. This was not my plan. I would love to have a wakeboard boat in a cabin at the lake. Oh my gosh. I gave that up. I'm not saying I don't want it. I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice. I just gave that up. He's gonna be asking all of us if he has not already been asking all of us, hey, you ready? I want revival. Bring revival. I wanna worship for four hours every day, Pastor Witt. I want worship for, I want it at noon, Monday through Friday. We'll have a service Monday through Friday. Pastor Doug, you ready for, for three of those, those, those days? You'll have sermons ready? Pastor Wade, you'll be ready? You'll be ready, Pastor Mick? You'll be ready? And Pastor Mark, as you're on your vacation celebrating your family, God bless you. Get rest, refreshed. Church every day. Are we ready to see prostitutes coming into the church being saved? Are we ready for pimps to come in to serve, to come up to Pastor Mark or hopefully me and be like, they want to kill me because we're taking their prostitutes and money away from them. And they get up to come address us and they get saved by the power of God. Not in an altar call, but because the power of God is so thick and heavy and tangible because his people are praying, not just the pastors. See, a revival says a move of God amongst all of us, not just because four or five are praying. Pastor's praying, so I'm praying. The other pastors are praying. You know that weird Bible verse, Pastor Doug? Um, you might even know where it's at. You're like my own front Google. <laughs> where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Are you following us as we follow Christ? No, I'm just coming to church and riding off your coattails. I mean, it's It's fun. I come, to, I come to church and, oh, and don't think I don't see everything. I don't see everything, but I see a lot. Trust me, I look out of the corner of my eye to make sure I'm on, on, on beat with pastor over here clapping. Because every so often, somebody over here is like in between, and I'm like, and so I look to the left to make sure pastor, I'm like, doom, I'm back on. And then somebody on the front would be like, and I'm like, because I ain't got the best rhythm. So I, mean, I see a bunch. Even tonight, you want to know what I saw tonight? And whoever you are, don't get mad. I, don't, don't, don't do that. Bible says you can't get offended. And I'm not calling you out by name or anything like that. Because I don't know the person's heart. But I'm just saying, you know, like, Pastor Witt, when we worship, you teach worship at, at Bible college, right? Is worship about here to there? Or is worship from here to like, oh my gosh, this is so pretty. Y'all know the answer. She don't even have to give it. Worship is from here to God. I am worshiping my king, my savior. He saved me. He saved you from hell. Dude, he set you free. Like, are you kidding me? And we're looking around like, this is a good guitar solo, man. This is so good. Dude, you hear that girl's voice? That's what I pretty much saw tonight out of some people. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, wow, hmm. Hmm. Looks like they're wanting the rest of us to carry, carry them to heaven. We all want to go to the higher places of heaven. We, I know we all do. That's why we're here. It's a Wednesday night. So when are we going to come here with the expectation that Pastor Wade was talking about? Pastor Mark was preaching on Sunday. When are we going to come with the expectation that no one else in here matters except God? Babe, I love you more than anybody in this entire room Pastor Wade, I apologize. <laughs> Taylor, I apologize. But I love you more than anybody in this entire room. Do I pay attention to you during worship? Are you offended by that? You insecure about that? Whew. 
Are you kidding me? My Savior. My Savior. And we're looking around. Oh my gosh, dude, did you hear that solo? That girl could sing. Yeah. And I'm just standing there going like, you gotta be kidding me. God wants to manifest his presence amongst his people to refresh us, to stir us up, to come down and like stir that water. And we're looking at each other like, isn't this pretty? I want a revival. I see Pastor Wade enough. I don't need to see him during worship. I see my wife enough. I don't need to see her during worship. I want to see heaven come. I want heaven to fill this place up. Why? Because there's people that are dying out there. There's people that are dying. You know, we... Um, We went to Africa just several, several weeks ago for a couple weeks. And if, if you know me at all, I'm, when we go on mission trips, I'm very, typically very like, hey, we're there for a reason. I'm not here for a vacation. I'm not here to go swimming. I'm not here to do anything. I'm here for souls to be saved, people to get healed, devils kicked out of people's lives, people get set free. I want a nation of revival in Uganda. I'm going for one purpose and one purpose and only. And so sometimes when they, the people that we go with sometimes like, are like, oh, hey, we're going to do this. And I'm like, oh, hey, yay, let's go do that. And I have to readjust my mind and be like, praise God, let's go do that. That's awesome. And, you know, because, you know, peop the people that are there with me will follow what I act like. So I have to, like, celebrate the, the things that I'm not fun about. Like, hey, let's go to the Nile River again for the nighttime. <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> Anybody want to go to the Boise River every Saturday for 10 months? Do you see what I'm saying? The Nile River's beautiful. It's one of my favorite places in the world. It's, it's, it's the most beautiful sunset, but nine times in a row. And so this gentleman that we go with this last trip, he says, hey, we're, um, um, we got told we were going to do pastor's conferences Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I was like super excited, like awesome, man. Yeah, that wasn't the case. There was a miscommunication, and, and we only did a Wednesday. And so Tuesday, we went and saw a historical site. And this historical site, now please hear me out. I'm going to try not to get emotional. One, I'm kind of a history weirdo. I like history. So we go to this historical site, and it's kind of a field. And there was like a ditch along there, and it was made so that um, Ugandans couldn't cross it. It would, it would cause a little more trouble for them to cross if they tried running away. Because it was along the Nile and close to South Sudan, and the Arabs came into Uganda and would, would capture Ugandans and, and enslave them. And they used this location because it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. These rocks were huge and round and perfectly smooth and and there was like rocks on the bottom and around and then there was like just perfectly like a card table of a rock that just was placed right on top of all the other surrounding ones and there was one way in and one way out. And then over here, there was another one. Well, those were the prisons. And this is where those Arabs would, would march men down and they would imprison them in this, underneath this rock. And when I say underneath, I don't mean where you could walk. I mean crawl. And they would march the women over to this side. They would separate families and husbands and wives and daughters and sons. It was kind of like the Holocaust, if you want to bring it to a little closer to our timeline. And so they would march them down. Uh, I'm going to be much nicer because I'm an American, you know, and, and the people that were talking about this didn't say it as nicely. They just say what they say. They're kind of like kids. They're just honest. Um, Pastor Bill, are you pregnant? <laughs> no. I overeat. Right? They're just honest. Kids are just honest. And this gentleman says they would bring them down and then they would come out. And the ones that, well, I'm going to say it the way he said it. The, one, the ugly ones and the fat ones and the old ones, we killed. They killed. 
the Arabs marched them over to this amazing rock. Really round, long, and it would go down. I mean like way down onto the, into the, the, the jungle floor. And I'm standing off behind the group just listening and watching and asking the Holy Spirit, what are we here for and what can I learn from this? God, I want to, I want to learn something from this because this is a horrible story. And they would lay down the ones that were like that and they would chop their heads off. And they would kick the bodies down and the heads down to the ground and the lions would come and eat them. And then they would march the, the ones, I don't know which one was easier, to be honest, the ones like, I wish I was dead, or awesome, I'm going into slavery to Egypt. And they would march them down about 100 miles to the river. And we're listening to this story. And I'm like, this is horrible, man. Human beings are horrible. What is it about us that we just, they're people, man. And I'm standing there, I'm like, God, why? Why would these Arabs, whoever they were, would not see that they were humans just like them and moms like them and dads like them and brothers and sisters? How could they not see that? Where did we go so wrong? Where? And the gentleman continues to explain that there was this gentleman named Samuel Barker, Baker, Baker, Samuel Baker. He was from London, and he was, um, he would go and, and find things, you know? He was finding the inner sides of Africa is what he was kind of assigned to do. And he named the Mertrezian, if I said that right, the Mertrezian Falls or, or however that, he, he named that. Uh, he, he named um, uh, one of the lakes, one of the big lakes there that he found and discovered. I mean, the Africans found it long before him, but, you know, it only matters when white people find it. And uh, I'm joking. Um, and he came and he saw this atrocity. He was just an explorer. What was he to do? Not only was he an explorer, he was kind of actually kind of middle-aged. So what was he going to do? Just fight the Arabs and, and get killed himself and be done? So he went back to London. Something must have struck a chord within this, this gentleman that he went back to London, grabbed more people, glory to God, that we got an army. He grabbed more people and he decided to go back. Now, I don't know how he won. What I'm saying is he came all the way back, left his, his wife, his children, and he went back to Central Africa of Uganda in the middle of nowhere Gulu Africa and took care of business and freed slaves. He freed slaves, man. And I'm sitting there listening to that part, the part of the story, and I'm like, thank God somebody had enough nerve to do it. And so we get back on the bus, and I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this. I took African history in college, and um, I love Africa. Um, isn't that funny? I loved Africa before I even knew I was going to be sent there. And uh, we're riding back, and I hear somebody say, and, and this is okay, whoever it was. I don't know who it was, because it, 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 was, it wasn't wrong to say. But I hear somebody behind me, and I don't know how far behind me on the bus. They said, Wow. I'm glad we got that heaviness out of the way. And it's true, it was heavy. Like, if you ever go on a mission trip with us, we have one rule, and it's to have fun. That wasn't really fun. And I'm sitting there next to my wife, and I'm like, they're missing it. It's a heavy story, isn't it? You know, I went to go take pictures of that rock where they got their heads decapitated from because I'm like, no way, I gotta see this. And I went over and I was getting ready to, to zoom in to take a picture because the knife marks are still there. This is in 18, about 1843-ish. The knife marks are still on that rock, Pastor Mickey. And I took my phone out to take a picture and the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? Put my phone back in my pocket. I repented. I said, I'm so sorry. And so we get on the bus, and I hear this person say, 
Well, I'm glad we got that heaviness out of the way. And I, I, I said quietly to my wife, I said, man, they're, they're missing it. It took one. It took one. It took one dude to change a nation. It took one dude to change families' lives. It took one. And I'm standing there. Oh, God, why did you send me here? I don't know how I do any of this. How in the world am I supposed to change anything here? And the Lord was telling me, he goes, I've always just sent one. Dude, what was Moses thinking when he was tending the sheep and the bush turned into a fire and the angel said, hey, guess where you're going, bro? You're going to go back to Egypt and you're going to tell Pharaoh, God sent you. What did he say? He goes, who am I? Is it just Moses and me that have ever said, who am I? What are you doing, God? What are you sending me for? I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Moses was like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing, God. Why are you sending me? Like, uh, they're probably going to kill me. I kind of left them. I have a speech problem. Do you ever notice that, God? You gave me a speech problem? God didn't give him a speech problem, by the way. It was just joking around. And he says, well, what do I say? And he says, well, tell them I am that I am. Well, what are, what are, they're going to ask me this. And he's like, and you're going to say I'm that. Well, what are, what are you going to do? I'm going to do that. God was always letting Moses know, when I need you to know, you'll know. You'll always know when you need to know. Maybe when you travel somewhere from a, a first world country and you get somewhere and you're seeing somebody held captive, you'll know then. You won't know now. You're in, you're in an air-conditioned building in Idaho. You don't need to know now. All you need to know is that he's asked you to do this. And when you've said yes to this, then you'll know the next step. And then when you know the next step, you'll know when he, to say, he's that. Hey, God, I kind of need you right now for this. Uh, like, now? Like, I need that. I need $10,000 right now or they're shutting down a school. I need that now. Like, in four hours at three o'clock in the morning, I need that now. He's that. He's 50000 I was trying to get $10,000 in a bank account by 9 a.m., at 3.30 a.m., the I am that I am came up with 50,000. He's that. He's that. He's the God that splits rivers. He's the God that splits rivers. Go to, go to John. Go to John chapter one. Sorry about sniffing. I got crying. I apologize. You forgive me? I wish I had some tissue. Hey, there's some tissue right here. Glory to God, I wish I was more like Pastor Mark. Turn the cameras off. My gosh. Pastor Mark and Pastor Doug never deal with this. Give me some of that gifting, Lord. You said you're that. I need that right now. John chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was Bill. He came as a witness. Yours doesn't say that? Yours says Wayne? Says Jen? What's yours say, Jen? It says Jen. You know it's okay to place your name there because he's talking to us? There was a man sent from God whose name was Bill. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him, Jesus. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. This is in verse 10. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and to his own people and did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, glory to God. If you're here tonight and you haven't received him, you have this opportunity to experience this right here. But who all who did receive him, who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Woo! Come on, no longer orphans. Come on, no longer, no longer orphans. No longer somebody, go, you know, on a, on a road highway to hell, so to speak. No, but on a highway to heaven. 
In verse 15, Bill bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. See, we have the coolest job in the world. We get to be somewhat Samuel Baker. Samuel Baker said yes to going back from his comfortable home in London with his wife and kids and went back to a brutal place. I can't imagine how brutal Africa was back in the 1800s. I can't even imagine. The grass was mowed when we went. It was nice. I can't imagine. There was no lions at the bottom of the rock. Because I asked, I was like, wait a minute, where are the lions at? If there was a food source, and this is what he said. He said, well, the food source hasn't been here for so long, so they, they left. Oh, well, they understand how animals think. Can you imagine being in Africa in 1800? I'm sitting there in my weird mind going, wait a minute, Arabs, didn't you ever think that those lions might come up the rock? They're kind of predatory animals, which means they like the chase. That's how my mind thinks. And so you sit there and it's like, God sent John. God sent John to tell about, hey, Jesus is coming. I'm not your savior. I'm not the guy. This dude, I can't even carry his sandals. And he's coming. And I'm going to tell you all about him. He's amazing. He is the light of the world. He is the word of God. He was with the word in the beginning. He is the word. We get to do that. We, I do, it blows my mind that he's like, hey, son, I trust you with that. And you're like, you do? I don't even know how to make eggs. Huh, Kendall? Eggs aren't my forte. I don't know how to make eggs. And he's like, I trust you with the gospel of my son. Hey, I need you to go to Uganda. Me? Why? What am I gonna do? What am I going to do? Well, somehow, because of sending me, and I said yes, and Jen said yes, and then I said yes to Pastor Mark about being here, now we've taken approximately like 80-something people to Uganda. 80-something people have gone. 80-something people have experienced the Bible coming to life because they said yes. And then they prayed for people, and people got healed. And then we were out on the streets shopping for clothes and shopping for paintings because we're first world money. And people got saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues at, at, at stores, restaurants. Why? Because we're going to tell and bear witness of the one. He's coming. We get to be John if you say yes. If you say yes, you get to be John. You know, and then what's crazy in Acts chapter two, God sent something else. He sent another dude. He took a dude from us named Jesus, my Savior. He took him, but then he sent the Holy Ghost. Then he sent the power to live in each and every single one of us. I don't know for that power. The Holy Ghost is in you. But you know the, the, the same Holy Ghost that hovered above all the earth and then God spoke and the Holy Ghost went to work and, and boom, oceans. Boom, mountains. Miss Lacey, are you saying that we're so powerful we can call things from heaven to earth? Is that what God's trying to tell his people? That we're that powerful? All of creation is waiting for us to know who you are. You're literally, they're, they're, they're out there right now. The trees are out there right now. The grass is out there. They're all out there waiting for us to walk out and being like, ooh, there's Bill. There's Dave. Because Bill and Dave know who they are. Are they saying your name because you, know know, you know who you are? Are they saying your name when you walk out and they're like, ooh, there she is. There he is. They know who they are. They know the Holy Ghost is in them. They know they're saved. They know they walk. They know they've been given dominion and authority in his name. They're casting out demons, raising the dead, healing the sick, making disciples of all nations. Uh-oh, revival. It went outside of these walls. When you know who you are, you can't wait to get out of these chairs. I hope that helps you, not hurts you. When you know that the Holy Ghost is in you and Jesus is in you and saying, hey, go, 
go, go. Oh my gosh, just go. Well, what am I going to do about that when I get there? Don't worry about it. I'm that problem. I'll fix it. I'm the solution to that. Just go. Well, yeah, but what am I going to preach about? Just go. Tell them about, like, my son, what he did for you, how he saved you. Well, my testimony? What would that do? Your testimony can change the world. Your testimony. Not Bill's. Yours. I can't tell your testimony the way you can tell your testimony. And you can't tell mine the way I can tell it. Because it didn't happen to you. That angel sword didn't chop your knees off. They chopped my knees off. You can't tell that story the way I can tell that story. Unless you were in Africa with us in Gulu, you can't tell the story, even though you heard the story, the same way I can tell the story about those rocks. You can't tell me about the knife marks. Can't. You might be able to regurgitate it from memory, but (laughs) you didn't see it. You can't tell me what it's like seeing a baby come to life in a a mother's womb because you weren't there. You can't tell me what it was like of a tooth growing back into somebody's mouth because you weren't there like she was. You you can tell the story. You wouldn't believe this. They go to Africa and the dead raise and, and legs grow out and teeth come into people's mouth. You can tell the story, but it's not yours. You don't have the unction that she has. You don't have the unction that we have that have gone. Therefore, I don't have the unction for your testimony, Justin. I can't share it like you can, brother. I can share it, but there's no unction. I didn't get saved in a prison cell. I can tell that, hey, people get saved while in prison. It's rock bottom. But I can't tell you what it's like. I can't even tell you the emotion. I can't tell you what it's like in solitary confinement unless you've been there. I can't tell you what it's like being in a war and looking up at the sky and going, God is real. I can't do that for you. Only that person can. And only that person can is if they're willing to say, yes, I'll do it, Lord. Our yes is so important. And so is our no. Follow me, repent from your sins, confess that I'm your Lord and Savior and you'll be saved. It's a yes or a no. It's as simple as that. He didn't make it hard. You don't have to have a a PhD to understand the Bible. It's simple as simple can be. It's easier than cooking eggs. Can't burn the gospel. It's living in me. Go ahead, burn the book. Go ahead. Go ahead, China, invade our country and burn the Bible. You ain't taking it from me. It's in me. Stephen was sitting on his knees, getting ready to be killed and martyred. Notice he didn't have a Bible in him. It didn't change anything. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they've done. The gospel was in him. He was preaching the gospel to him, man. He didn't need a book. We're blessed to have a book. Get it in us. Write it on your heart. Then we have Mark. Let's go to Mark. Since our pastor's name's Mark. All us pastors on staff, it's our favorite book. In my job interview, did he do this to you guys? In my job interview, he's like, give me one verse out of Mark. I'm like... Revelation 19.11, I'll give you that. He goes, I said, I said, Mark. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Going to all the world? Going to all the world? Going to all the world and do what? what? What chapter is that? 16, right? Come on. Come on. Whoo, we're right. 16, verse 17, and these signs will, see, this will, this, will give, this will ease your mind of what will happen when you say yes and you go. This is the promise that we get. God is so cool that he gave us promises we know we would need, and, and then we get all weird. I know I'm not the only one. We get all weird. It's like, well, what are we going to do when we get there? We're going to love people. 
That's it? You're gonna build a school? No. You're gonna paint a church? No, I ain't painting nothing. I don't know how to paint. It's a waste of money. No. That is not being a good steward of his gift. I am not painting. So you're just gonna go and love people? Yeah. So what's that look like? I don't know. I literally, this is what we got questioned all the time our first trip to Africa, like, you're just gonna go love people. <laughs> and I would dread telling people because I didn't know because Americans like to really know. No, 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 no. What task are you gonna do? Are you gonna build a water tank? Are you gonna paint a building, paint a fence, take Bibles, clean water, medicine? What are you gonna do? They wanna know check boxes, man. We Americans love task. We think it's like worthy and holy and righteous. And I would look at them and be like, I don't know. So, so like, you're just gonna love them? You gonna preach? I hope not. <laughs> Literally, man, I was like, please, God, no. Let's just go help Pastor Joseph. I don't wanna preach. Like, I wanna cast demons out of people. I wanna pray for a witch doctor. That was my first prayer. I'm like, I wanna, I wanna get a witch doctor saved. I'm getting a witch doctor saved. And in my mind, I was like, Sorry, I can see some people going, this dude's literally nuts. There were some eyes out there, sorry. Um, I, I literally, I went, I remember telling Miss Amy this, and she's like, you think different than most people. And then that's kind of when it clued into me, I'm like, oh, I thought we all thought like this, didn't we? I, we're all Christians, like, don't we all think like this? Well, my thought was like, dude, where I'm gonna go to a witch doctor's hut? And we'd be like, you against me. My God against your God, your snake against my snake, let's do this. That's how it played out in the MGM theater reel in my head. And so this is how it really played out. <laughs> See, God and I had a deal when I would pray and worship him alone. I would say, God, I'll, I'll worship you alone, but never in front of anybody. I don't ever want to worship in front of anybody because I don't really know how to worship. I can't sing to save my life. And God, that's really private. Prayer to me is private. Don't ever ask me to do it in front of anybody. And I still feel that way. So we're in this little tiny jungle church. They ain't never seen white people. They were touching our skin, expecting like it to come off and be black. And um, no, I'm, I'm being for real. And, um, and so I said, uh, hey, Taylor, you, you preaching, bro. And he's like, okay. And we're worshiping. They're having their worship. And he turns to me and he says, is everybody in, in, in church saved? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I'm not your Holy Spirit. How am I supposed to know that? <laughs> and he's like, okay. I'm like, give an altar call if you want to give an altar call. And he's like, okay. Brother gets up, three minutes, about three minutes and 13 seconds? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Pastor Wade was there. Maybe three minutes and 13 seconds. Brother gives a quick gospel message. Who wants to get saved? Seven people raise their hand. Yeah, wow, right? Pretty awesome except we had another hour in church. <laughs> and this is what Taylor does. And I'm standing there with a microphone, and I ain't got a message. He was supposed to give a message, God. Like, this is not fun. And I'm looking down at Pastor Wade, who had been a pastor at a church before, like. <laughs> I looked at my wife, and she didn't even say no. She just looked the opposite way. Like, didn't even, like, there was a train wreck or something. Nope. And so I'm standing there, and everyone's looking at me like I'm supposed to know. I'm the leader of the group. I didn't have a clue, did I? We didn't, none of us knew anything. I don't know. We were like the bad news bears. I don't know what God was thinking. I, I really don't, man. God is amazing. Because God is that. In our time of absolute, I have no clue, he's that. He's just waiting for us to actually lean on him and say, God, I have no clue. Instead of us going, I got this. I got, okay, Taylor's done, cool, I got this. I got verse after verse after verse in the Bible. And I'm, I'm ready in season and out of season. I got sermon after sermon. I could pop open my iPad and give you a thousand right now. So I got this, cool, I'm glad he stopped and said he's done. Mic drop, there you go. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was terrified. And so I started praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm like, Lord, what are we doing? What are we doing? He's like, worship me. And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> He's like, tell them to worship me and show them what it's like to worship me with no music. And I'm like, 
God just took every chance I had to maybe see what a, I don't know if this will show you, a tone, a key. I'm looking at Pastor Witt to help, but she's so far away, she's just laughing at me. So no music. He's like, show them what it's like to, when they're in their hut and they, they have no one there, no music, nobody else with them what it's like to worship me. And I'm, he and I are having a real conversation at this point. So I will give you the conversation. Plain and simple, as vulnerable and transparent as I'll ever be with you. God, you said that this was between me and you. And he goes, no, you said that. And then I sat there and the next thought went through my hair was, but they're here and they know me. This is embarrassing. I'm gonna look like a fool. I have no clue how to sing. I have no clue how to even carry a note. And he says, you said you'd do anything for me. I don't know how God deals with you, but he's like the mafia with me. <laughs> so there I was. Jesus was doing to me what Taylor already had done to me. And so I just sat back and I'm like, well, I left my job. I have nothing. I might as well do this. So I started worshiping him. And this is just, if God ever puts you into this spot and you don't know how to sing like me and you don't know how to carry a note or any of that stuff, this is what I did. I closed my eyes because I didn't want anybody to, I didn't want to see anybody seeing me as though my eyes were going to help that. But at that moment, at my five-year-old mind, it was like, if I close my eyes, I don't see them, they don't see me, right? We all have all had kids, and those that are gonna have kids, that's what they do. They're like, you don't see me. That's what I was doing, Pastor Wade. And so I closed my eyes, and I started praising God. I said yes. And you heard me up here trying to sing. I don't know how to sing, and I'm okay with it. I mean, I wish I did, but I don't. I wasn't called to be a singer, so I'm not gonna waste my time nor money to try to learn how to sing. So I start worshiping him as though I was in my own living room, just me and him. What seemed like probably legitimately like 10 minutes for me, and all of a sudden, what I would call an implosion of heaven hit. How long really was it, do you know? What it seemed like? A half hour, maybe it was longer. And all of a sudden, it just, it literally felt like just heaven like exploded inside this little tiny wooden structure in the middle of a jungle. And four and a half hours later, yeah, four and a half hours later, who wants revival? Church is so long. Little five-year-old, four-year-old girl in the very front, hands raised, tears coming down her face, and she wouldn't budge and think about moving. Her hands were, I'll never forget that little girl. Hot as can be, too. <laughs> there ain't no air conditioning. Just dripping sweat. And there was this old man, man. He was so cool. Three-piece suit. Walked 70-something miles, they said, to church. It's so far from where I live. I love Pastor Mark and Life Church, but it's so far. Sorry, you don't get much sympathy from me because I've seen men that have walked three days of a journey to get to hear the gospel. Driving 12 miles in an air-conditioned car on smooth roads, I'm just not gonna get sympathy. Just not. God bless you, just not gonna get sympathy. So this old man was cool as can be, and I wanted to get my hands on him. I love praying for people. I mean, if you've been here before, you know I love getting my hands on you. And I'm walking over, but there happened to be Lawrence Taylor in a dress. She was a big woman. I was terrified of this woman. She was big. She was taller than me by at least two, three inches. And, um, and she was just big, man. She was just terrifying. Legitimately, NFL size, I mean, she would decapitate me. She was... Yeah, she made, she, she made Pastor Wade look like when Pastor PJ stands next to him. And so, uh, and so as I'm going, the Holy Spirit, as clear as can be, he goes, pray for her. I'm like, I don't want to pray for her. I want to pray for that cool old man. He's like, I said, pray for her. Okay, fine. 
This is, this is what happened. As I'm going to the old man, because I'm thinking about the old man, right? What's God know? And I go by and I put my hand on her shoulder. It wasn't on shoulder. <laughs> it was, she, was, she was tall. I put my hand on her shoulder. No translator. I don't speak whatever language she speaks. She don't speak English. And I pray. This is how, this is how powerful. The, I was so powerful. I was chewy. You got to be anointed for God to move, y'all. You better hear exactly what to pray. You better say it right. You better sound good. This was the prayer. God's grace is wrath. Father God, just bless this woman in her home and her life. Amen. And I got to the old man. That was the prayer. I was so holy and righteous. And that, I mean, it was, a, it was a King James prayer. I mean, the prophetic was flowing from me. It was, it was, oh, it was a joke. You know what wasn't a joke was in Jesus' name. You know what wasn't a joke? My heart. I just didn't know what to pray for. But my heart was right. So the end of the four and a half hours of the service gets done, and they say, hey, we want, we want a testimony, four people. So Lawrence Taylor comes up in a dress. And uh, she was the witch doctor. Yeah, dude. She came to cast spells on me. <laughs> That's real stuff. She came to cast spells on the white man, the preacher. And I'm standing there listening to this, and she's standing about where Pastor Doug's sitting, but standing. So, like, we're up on the stage, so we're about eye to eye. And, um, and she says that, and I'm like, that's the witch doctor. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. That would have been way cooler, way better of a testimony. It would have been rad to write about. It happened. I didn't even know who she was. And God said, pray for her. Not an amazing prayer. You know when you don't know how to pray, it's okay. When you don't know how to worship, it's okay. When you can't sing, it's okay. He's looking at our heart. He wants us to get connected with him that nothing else matters except him. And nothing else matters except the person in front of you that he has been trying to reach and trying to reach and trying to reach. And she says, I came here to cast spells on the white man. But while you guys were praising your God, he came by and he, he prayed for me. And while you continued to praise your God, dude, um, theology got blown away today, at uh, that day. As you were doing it, Jesus showed up to me. He says, if you follow me, those evil spirits will never bother you again. And she said yes. She got saved because Jesus showed up, bro. Like, the man Jesus didn't wait for an altar call. What? Hold on a second. We have boxes to check. I wanted to go to a hut. God would have appreciated my wants and desires. I thought we fulfill the desires of my heart. My desire of the heart was go to a hut and have a battle. That's what I wanted. Moses got to do it. How come I didn't get to do it? You know, respecter of persons, aren't you? It didn't happen that way, and I'm okay with it, dude. She got saved. We went back a year later. Guess what? No kids have been kidnapped from the hut, from the village. No body mutilations continued to happen. And no longer did Uganda police, state police, have to go to the village and deal with domestic batteries and drunkenness because the witch doctor got saved because a white man said, yes, I'll go. But who am I? I'm no one. I'm no one different than you. Pastor Mark is no one different than us, except he said yes. And when he said yes, he kept saying yes, and he kept saying yes, and I kept saying yes, and I kept saying yes, and you can keep saying yes, and you can keep saying yes, and pretty soon you'll have a witch doctor that gets saved. Pretty soon you'll raise the dead. Because he's no respecter of person. You know what God's looking for? He just continues to look around and say, are you ready? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, but I don't, I don't feel called to Africa. You're missing the point. You don't need to go to Africa. But where is your Africa? Where is it? It, it could be your home. It could be the school you go to. It could be your work. 
It could be your life group. It could be the grocery store. Instead of being so concentrated on do I get Ain, Crest, or whatever, Colgate, what about praying and being like, God, who am I walking by right now? Like, as I walk by them, let them be healed in Jesus' name. And I think I'll take that toothpaste. That's a good deal. Not gonna be the last tube you ever buy. I hope. <laughs> right? And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hand, their hands, their hands, your hands, your hands, your hands. Not God's hands, your hands. On the sick and they will recover. In verse 20 it says this. This is how we know that it will happen. We can have faith. We can trust him. His word is true. It's just a fact. You don't have to be anyone special because you're a son or daughter of God. You are special. Because you said yes, he's like, oh, yes, they said yes. I can't wait to do what I've been waiting to do. They're going to be blown away. They're going to mic drop and be like, well, we're in church. Is anybody sa- is, does anybody need to be saved in church? Seven people needed. What if Taylor wouldn't have just got up and gave the gospel message and then Mike dropped on me? He was being as obedient as could be, I hope. If not, we'll talk Saturday. Because if he wasn't obedient, seven people wouldn't have been saved. If he wasn't obedient, I wouldn't have had to worship in front of people for the first time in my life. And then a witch doctor wouldn't have got saved. And then a village wouldn't have been changed. You know, it's amazing. I, I said this one time because I had a question with God. And I said, God, why do we have to go? We have about this much money. If everyone would just not buy their plane tickets and, and all of this, we would, we would be able to have about $67,000 and we could build a school. We could build a church. Like we could start a church, dude. That would be rad. Let's start a church. Like that gets me a little excited. Let's go start a church somewhere in Africa. Let's go start a church somewhere where he's telling us to go. So we don't need plane tickets, God. Why don't we send the money over and, and, and we tell Pastor Joseph that we want to start a church and we want this person to be the pastor of it? Why don't we do that? And he goes, I, um, I didn't ask you to do that. I need your feet on the ground. Do you remember me talking to you about this? Because I was like perplexed. I'm like, oh, well, what? And I'm like, why my feet on the ground? I'm talking about building a church, God. Your Bible kind of talks about that. Didn't say anything about my feet. And I kept on praying about it, kept on praying about it, and pretty soon I just realized he, you know, wasn't, I wasn't gonna win. Ever been there? So then we go on that trip and five Muslims get saved. And a, a lead Muslim in a high school that we went to speak, speak at where Pastor Joseph did it to me again, he asked me to have two people speak. And then he comes to me and goes, they're not speaking, they need the preacher. And I'm like, I have no message. That night, Ashley Crandall and somebody else was supposed to speak that night at the high school. So I'm like, oh, I thought it was a night off. Pastor Joseph. A Muslim got saved. The leader of the school. Now kids weren't getting taken to, to the lake getting drunk and having sex on weekends from Muslims. The Muslim got saved. Come on, man. Come on, man. He needs our feet to go places too, not just money. It takes money to send us there. It takes money to take us places, but he needs feet on the ground. He needs feet on the ground, and take, having feet on the ground means saying yes. It means saying yes. And here, here's another thing. Here, here's what we get to usher in. Go to Revelation. See, I told you I like Revelation. Go to Revelation 19, 11. It says, then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judge and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. In verse 13, it says, his, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. As we preach the gospel, we get to usher in that. We get to usher in the second coming of God. We're ushering in, just like John was ushering in. We're all Johns, but are we all yeses? He wants us 
to be yeses like nobody's business. He wants us to be yeses like nobody's business. Isaiah 6, you don't have to turn there. If you want to write it down, you can write it down. Isaiah 6, in verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. God, here I am, send me. I'll go. I don't care where I go. Let's just go. Let's go see, the, let's go see people get saved, set free, delivered, healed. Let's go. Let's build churches everywhere. Let's take the gospel to the darkest places because the darker it gets, the brighter I shine. Do you realize that? We shouldn't be complaining about how dark the world is. We should be praising God that we're shining brighter. Let it get darker, devil. You thought it was getting darker when Jesus hung on the cross, but what happened? The veil got torn. I got saved. And it wasn't just him that you had to worry about now. It wasn't just 12. It's millions of us. It's millions of us that the devil has to worry about. Devils flee and cringe when they realize that we wake up. They're terrified. Amen? Real quick, and, and we're going we're gonna to pray because here I am, send me. We're sending a team to Mexico. We're sending a team to Mexico to go spread the gospel, to go be the light in a dark place, to go bring liberty to the captives. We're going out. We're going out. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Start seeking the Lord and praying for people's souls and watch how fast you get changed. Watch how fast he gets a hold of our hearts and all of a sudden, we can't help but pray for the lost. All of a sudden, we can't help but weep. And all of a sudden, teams are going everywhere. And all of a sudden, people are coming here because they realize the revival's about the out. The revival's about the lost. And now people are coming here from all over the world because they're realizing we're going out to them. And they're coming because they want a part of the touch. They realize that what's going is so different than what they've ever experienced. They want to be here to see it. They want to get set on fire, prayed for, and go.